For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air. Can you Greetings, I am Barry. This is the voice within for another week. Now, as regular listeners will remember, last week we said that we, we listened to Daniel Scranton, and uh, I said that this week we're going to have a little interview with Daniel to find out how he started channeling and so on. So, this is Daniel Scranton. Hi, everyone, this is uh, Daniel Scranton, and I'm making a bonus video here where I talk to you from my heart and today's video, tonight's video, is about me (laughs) and how I got to awaken uh, in my 20s and then how I started channeling in my 30s, in my 40s now. Um, grew up in Connecticut, a small town outside of Hartford, and we were raised Catholic in my home. Uh, my mother was even, um, a CCD teacher. For those of you who are Catholic, you know about CCD. I'm not even really sure what CCD stands for, (laughs) but we went to church every single Sunday. Uh, without fail. Um, But we weren't an overtly religious household. We didn't have, you know, statues and crosses everywhere. I remember after my grandfather died, we, we inherited a wooden cross that he had in his house. But before that, I don't think there was one. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't, even though it was something that we did, it wasn't something we spoke about. So as a child, I suffered from fear of God, basically. Um, Not thinking that I was doing enough or good enough or afraid 
that I was going to say or think the wrong thing and, you know, be doomed <laughs> for all eternity. So that was my relationship to religion and and God. Didn't really have a relationship uh, with Jesus, even though I was raised Christian. So it was a, that was kind of interesting looking back at it now. It was to me. It was just God and me, and um, whether I was doing enough to be good, <laughs> or whether I was going to do something really bad. And then, so that continued through my teens. Went to Catholic high school. Um, continued to be afraid. Um, wanted to do good, wanted to be good. But at the same time, I also wanted to do things like premarital sex. <laughs> so I also wanted to do things that were very natural that my body was telling me, yeah, you really should be doing this. Um, so that's, I think, one of the reasons why I stepped away from that faith. Um, so that I could without the cognitive dissonance. Um, and then I, when I went to Boston University, I also learned about in these Greek and Roman myth classes about all these other um, civilizations throughout history who had books and stories and similar myths. Now I know they're not really myths, but uh, that are in the Bible. Most uh, cultures talked about the flood, the great flood, and there were some that talked about having a savior that was killed and then reborn three days later. And so there were all these things. There are more examples than just those where I'm I'm hearing these things and I'm for the first time because it was there was like no other awareness that I had other than Catholicism. That was all I knew. So that also contributed to the loss of my faith. And I just went through my 20s most of the time just not thinking about it. Just did not want to confront my beliefs. At some point, I remember thinking, do I still believe in Jesus? And then I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> but that was it. That was like the end of the thought. Um, but then I became an atheist, and, and that wasn't fun either. So the fear of God became the fear of annihilation, just a death that meant I no longer existed. So I didn't like thinking about all that stuff. I liked thinking. I, I liked thinking deep thoughts, but um, when they led to the possibility of annihilation, it wasn't something I wanted to continue thinking. So then came Tony Robbins' Personal Power 2, which I w was told to listen to by a boss I had. And the final interview in that series was with Deepak Chopra. So at the time, I'm really into my raw foods and eating organic and 
not going to doctors, not going to dentists, um, not taking drugs of any kind for anything. And so I was really into the, the body's natural ability to heal itself. That was something I totally believed in. And as I listened to Deepak, it was clear that after being a medical doctor in Boston, uh, where I went to school, he, he realized he didn't want to be a glorified drug pusher. Uh, he wanted to help people heal themselves, and he rediscovered the Ayurvedic uh, principles and you know his Indian roots and started practicing and teaching those instead of the Western medical model, which is give you a drug, oh, you have side effects, here's another drug, oh, now your liver's messed up from all these drugs, here's another drug. <laughs> um, so Deepak talks a lot about the quantum universe, right? And just the way the universe works, the Heisenberg principle, all these things. And me, the, the thinker, the, the logical mind guy, which I've always been, was awakened from in that way. Um, and then, so I went from not believing in anything to believing in an intelligent universe, a source of all things that we are infinite, eternal beings. So I woke up, I was probably 27, 28 at the time. There she is, there's Kalyandra. Um, and from there, I just started reading everybody, listening to everybody, Ram Dass, Wayne Dyer, Yogananda, Eckhart Tolle. I love Deepak, I love Conversations with God. And then I eventually got to the, to the books, um, Conversations with God were channeled. He did channeled writing at first, and then he started hearing a little voice in his head. Uh, this is Neil Donald Walsh. So I didn't think of them as channeled until I spoke to a spiritual teacher of mine that, that I had met, um, you know, shortly after I had awakened. And she said, oh, you like channel material then. So she turned me on to these books called the manuals books. I read those. There are only three of them. There was a, a blurb on the back about Seth materials. And then I got into Seth books, which I loved. I still think Seth and Jane Roberts are the best of all time. Um, so such a huge, hi there, little girl. It's a huge amount of information and so many beautiful philosophies and, and things that Seth uh, brought through <laughs> in those Seth books. And now there's even more now that uh, they started publishing the personal sessions. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. So I was really into the Seth books and then... I'd go on these Seth uh, message forums and met someone who said, hey, you should check out Abraham. I kept hearing about this Abraham character. <laughs> so I started checking out Abraham. I started my own uh, meetup group 
with other people interested in, in the work of Abraham and Esther. And then I started going to the workshops and talking to Abraham. I, I spoke to Abraham a total of 17 times during in the years I would go to these workshops. I would go to tons of them to the point where people would see me on a DVD in uh, Phoenix and then see me on a DVD in... Hey, don't do that. That's the microphone. And see me on a DVD in Asheville and think, who is this guy? What What is he, a billionaire? What are Jerry and Esther just paying him to show up at these events and ask questions? <laughs> Somebody actually wrote that on an Amazon review of one of their DVDs. And then, uh, and then Jerry kind of... Uh, through through another person asked me if I would go on there and, and say no no I'm not that guy um, or, or that's not what what this is about <laughs> but anyway what it was about for me is uh, more of the um, awakening experience I had there's Caliandra <laughs> you can see her face a little um, had the the awakening experience, and then, of course, I—that's um, not an invitation for you. Then I wanted more, of course, but I—I I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't ever think that I was going to be a channel. That was not on my radar at all. Uh, but then. I was on an Abraham cruise <laughs> and I was doing Reiki on someone and I felt energy in my body for the first time. I felt a surge. I had only done Reiki a, f a handful of times. I had a Reiki one attunement. But after that experience, I thought, hmm, I want to do some more of this. So I started doing Reiki on my massage therapist and she would come to give me a massage in my home and I'd do Reiki on her first. and. I noticed that my hands would move by themselves. So somebody somebody asked me in the comments here, hopefully this person is going to watch <laughs> this video, how do you know you're channeling? Um, and that's a very long conversation. But the first thing that kind of clued me in to the fact that this was something I was going to do was hands moving off of a person's body by themselves where I would just watch this happen. And then across her body like this and then stop and go back down and then the other one would come up. Then my head started going like this by itself. And then I started moving my lips like that. Once my lips started moving by themselves and I'm making whispering noises, I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to channel. That's probably what's happening here. This is in around January, maybe February of 2010. I keep doing Reiki on, on people. Distance Reiki. I'm not even asking for permission. I don't really think you have to ask for permission to send someone love, <laughs> which is essentially all you're doing when you're... Uh, setting out to send someone healing energy. Um, but I would do that. I would send people energy and, and do Reiki on whoever I could, whenever I could. And 
then uh, early March, I think it must have been March 1st, I had, um, I had a lot of pain in my body and I had a job, a, a business where I had to move boxes around and I, I'd get in more pain and I was in a marriage I didn't want to be in. So um, I had a lot of emotional pain, a lot of physical pain at that time. And I... I became suicidal. I, I wanted to commit suicide. Um, but it, I, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't do that to my, my now ex-wife because her brother had committed suicide just like a year before. <laughs> so um, I don't know if I would have gone through with it under any circumstances, honestly, but that's how distraught I was. That's how much pain I was in physically and emotionally. And so that happened. And I had a good cry and I said, I don't want to be here and all that stuff, you know, said so had my real, real dark night of the soul. And then not that night, but the following night was the night I had my, my alien slash ET encounter that I talk about in another video where I'm wearing the same shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can watch that one more. I'll just, it doesn't take that long to describe it. So I have a dream. In the dream, I see someone who I know believes in the significance of ETs and all that to humanity, whereas I don't. I don't see it as, I think they're real. I just don't think they matter at this point in my life. So when I see this guy in the dream, and I also know this guy through Abraham workshops, by the way. <laughs> and I see him in the dream and I said to him, I understand now about the other beings. And that was it. That was the whole dream. So I wake up from that dream and I start feeling energy coming in through my crown, moving all the way through my body. And it's complete and utter ecstasy. It's nothing like I've ever, anything I've ever felt before or after. And so I'm just going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, as it's happening. And then I'm saying, more please, more please. And then I start to think and I think, what does this have to do with that dream? And I think, I wonder if this has anything to do with aliens. And then as soon as I thought the word aliens, they sent me a, a huge surge of energy so I just kept thinking the word aliens over and over again and then I start saying one more time just one more time to them and I you know of course it was never enough I always wanted more and then I started asking them questions so I'm asking questions like uh, are you aliens and the answer would be yes and I'd get a surge of energy moving through me when the answer was yes. When the answer was no, I would I would get nothing. So because I was in such physical pain, you know, I thought, well, maybe they're here just, to, just because I've been asking so much for this healing that I need. Maybe, um, maybe that's why they're here. So I'd ask, uh, are you here to fix me? Nothing. And I'd ask, are you here to play with me? And the answer would be yes. So, 
this went on and then uh, for a while and then I took my eye mask off that I was sleeping with and I and I thought maybe I can see them in the room open my eyes as soon as I open my eyes energy starts flooding in again just like it did at the beginning and then with my eyes open I don't know how much longer it lasted I don't know how long this whole episode lasted but that was it, it ended and uh, yeah so there was a expiration date on that ecstasy experience but I wanted more I knew I could feel now more in my physical body that nothing had to had to happen nothing had to be happening to me other than uh, you know a little ET intervention but I knew that I, I I could get that feeling back if I focused so then I start I'm already meditating now for 10 years every day and long meditations but I start doing more. I start doing two hour, two and a half hour meditations, getting to the point where I can give myself goosebumps all over my body at any any time that I want to and never being able to replicate the experience with the ETs exactly. So this is March 2010. Uh, I'm, it doesn't fix my my pain in my body. So I'm still trying to heal myself at the same time. And and I'm I'm able to access all this energy and move all this energy through me. So I do I would do that on occasion with that intention of healing my body and a few times I would get so much energy moving through me that I'd start to like I was going to throw up what we call in the United States, we call it dry heaving, where you, but nothing comes out. So this happens a few times. Again, I'm still, I'm still because of the Reiki stuff and everything. I'm still thinking maybe I'm going to channel and I'd, I'd sit with a friend and say, get a question ready or, or something, and we'll see if I can channel for you. Nothing would happen. So then I go to an Abraham workshop in October of that year, 2010. And I am sitting there on the first day of the Asheville workshop and I have that dry heave experience because I'm really tuning in to the energy in the room and what Esther's bringing through. Oh, it's 11.11 in Hawaii. Um, and, and I have to stop myself because I don't want to be a distraction to what's going on there for everyone else. You know, everyone else is there to see Esther channel Abraham not to see Daniel Scranton dry heave. So I, I put a stop to it and then I talked to my friends about it after and they said, hey, um, maybe you are going to channel. Why don't we sit around in a circle around you and see if we can pull it through. We'll ask questions. So we did that that night. And all I would do, I'd sit there and I'd go like this. No words coming out, but a lot of weird uh, facial expressions and movements. So then they're like, okay, you got to ask Abraham about this. And I, this is, you know, I'd already been in the hot seat so many times. That's what they call it at Abraham workshops. When you talk to Abraham, you're in the hot seat. So I figured, yeah, there's a good possibility I'll get called on tomorrow. 
The next day, uh, my friend is in the hot seat and she's talking about things that are like really synchronistic to what I've been experiencing. And I'm sitting there watching my hand raise itself as she's talking to Abram and really slowly. So I'm, I'm moving it faster than it was. It was probably moving at like this speed. And then she gets out of the hot seat and I, and chills just fill my body. I, I, I guess I just knew it was going to happen. So they call on me. I get up there. I start telling my story. Um, they knew part of the story. They knew the ET story. Although Abraham doesn't really talk about ETs very much. So I think I left the part about them being aliens out of that story when I, when I told them. But, um, you know, I've been going to their workshops for five years at this time, at this point, And, um, they knew me, Esther knew me. Um, so, so Abraham basically gives me the green light says, yes, do it channel, keep practicing, keep working through that resistance in your body. Cause that's what that is. That's why you're experiencing the dry heaves. So I was like, good, I'll do that. I go back to LA and where I lived and I'm Skyping with my then girlfriend who lived in London and we're, we're working on it. Like she's sitting there and, oh, so yeah, I did wind up getting a divorce from that, <laughs> that first wife. Um, that happened around three months after, well, like three and a half months after, um, the big nighttime download experience. Uh, I don't know, maybe that gave me the courage to say something, to speak up and say, Hey, I'm not happy. But, uh, as soon as that marriage ended, it's like, I met this woman right away on Abraham Cruz and, and, um, it was one of those, you know, kind of rebound relationships where it was, it was great at first. And then anyway, she helped me to become a channel. So, you know, I'll always be grateful for that. Um, she sat there, she'd be in, in London on her computer. I'd be in LA on mine and I'd be doing the whole, you know, <laughs> energy moving through me, nothing coming out. And I don't know how many weeks this went on for. We, we would Skype four times a week. And so eventually I spoke, I spoke for the creators. The first time they said, we are here for you. Um, and then I don't know what else they said after that. I don't remember, but That's how the channeling started after channeling the creators for a good solid, I think three years and only the creators. And it took me a while to even get that name, the creators. And, you know, I questioned it. I doubted myself in answer to the question, how do you know you're channeling? I certainly went through those experiences of, what if I'm just making it all up? I don't know if this is real. It seems like it's not. But at the same time, I can't explain the movements. I can't explain the feeling of energy in my body. I, I have no other explanation for. And the we are here for you always 
I always knew that was channeled. Um, and then everything else after that I would question, which I think is healthy. I think there's a healthy amount of skepticism that we should all have. Um, Jane Roberts definitely had it. And like I said, she was the best, in my opinion. Um, so I started channeling Ophelia the Fairy three years after I started channeling the creators. And Ophelia, you know, comes through me in a female voice. I, that's another way to sort of know you're not just making that up. You know, I'm not going to pretend... <laughs> that I have a female voice all of a sudden. It's really, it's so convincing that if people hear my channeling of Ophelia, they will definitely be shocked and surprised to find out that it's me doing it. Not that I have the deepest voice of all time, but I definitely don't. <laughs> but uh, I don't sound like uh, Ophelia the Fairy either when I talk, so... So knowing that, that you're not w one of the ways, there are so many things, there's so many things I want to say about this, like knowing that I'm not consciously speaking in the plural, uh, we, our, us, all that, all that plural that the creators and other guides that I channel speak in, I don't do that uh, if I were if I were making that up, I would have to I would have to be so conscious and aware to always be speaking in that plural pronoun way. And uh, and then the and then wait. So I skipped the light language thing. So the light language thing happened six months after I was channeling the creators. Girlfriend from London was out of the picture at this point. <laughs> and I started to, you know, enjoy my bachelorhood and just do the things that I wanted to do. And so I started getting massages regularly. These are legitimate massages now. <laughs> These are real, like a real massage. Um, but I always loved getting massage, so I, I started going to this place where I'd get massage, and I eventually developed feelings for the woman who was giving me massage, and she was uh, Wiccan and clairvoyant. She could see things in the room. I was I was moving around all the time on the table, you know, cause, because the, the movements that you see when I channel, I mean, I've always been a big mover when I channel. So I'd be moving around on the table. She'd be seeing things all all over the room. And one day I just started to channel these um this light language. It was a it was a very unique light language. It was words like anakana nikana nuka. So there'd be a lot of N's, K's and vowels in in the words. And uh, after that first time that I channeled those on the massage table, I was embarrassed. You know, I, even though she knew I was a channel, I was still self-conscious about it. She was like, what was that afterwards? I said, I don't know. Um, I went home. I got violently ill. Um, this was May 21st. I always remember. 
May 21st, 2011, the day that this, this televangelist guy was saying uh, the world was going to end. So there were billboards all over L.A. about the world ending, and I channeled the light language on that day and got so sick that I actually wanted to die as I was on the bathroom floor. <laughs> so there's some connection there, obviously. So that's another thing. I didn't even know about light languages. Now, if you're speaking a light language, you could say, well, maybe I'm making it up because I know about light languages. I didn't know about light languages. Um, I, I certainly didn't think it was, um, you know, I, like I said, I was embarrassed about it to be doing this in front of this woman that I that I had feelings for. Nothing ever materialized there. <laughs> she had a boyfriend. Um, so that's how the light language started. And then uh, I'm going to say a, a year, maybe a, right around a year later, um, is when the tones came. The tones are channeled. The the overtones. The very first time I did that, I did not know how to do that. So it was one of those times when I was going into the channeling state to get the creators, because at that time I was only channeling the creators in 2012. So, uh, so I didn't know how to overtone. I had a voice coach. She taught me singing because the creators told me early on um, to sing and ring. So I eventually went and got singing lessons, voice lessons. We would tone, but my voice coach didn't know how to overtone herself. She certainly didn't know how to teach me how to do it. So when they came that first time, it was a surprise. <laughs> it was a definite surprise for me. And for Kimberly as well. I don't, she wasn't there. Kimberly is my voice coach. She wasn't there that first time it happened, but it was it was amazing. So again, some of this stuff, you know, as much as I've questioned in my past, you know, whether any of this was real, that I could not have faked. <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. My mouth suddenly knew how to make those sounds, um, the creators, you know, they're, they're the ones moving my body, moving my head, changing my voice, you know, the creators speak in a much deeper voice than I do. You know, I don't, I, I, that's not something, if I were consciously putting that voice on, I would know that I was. I would I would feel the the inauthentic way that that was happening and I wouldn't like it. You know, I almost quit channeling early on because and this was before I was making my living at it. This was this was early early on because I didn't know if it was real and I didn't 
you know, I, I want to be authentic. I, I want people, I don't want to deceive anyone. And, and I, when I look at most, um, I, I never look at someone who's channeling and think that person's, that person's not really channeling. I never think that. I don't, so here's what I do think sometimes, I'll be honest. Sometimes I think there's a lot of that channel in that channeling. There's a lot of distortion, there's a lot of filter. All these things can happen during any channeling. Um, but I don't think anyone's setting out to deceive other people into believing that they're channeling. I've never seen a single person where I've thought that. Um, but are some channels better than others? Yeah. Some channeling is better because that person is better at removing themselves from the channeling they're they're more practiced at bringing the energies through that they're channeling you know Daryl Ank has been doing it for 35 I don't even know how many years 36 maybe he's really good at bringing through Bashar he's been doing it for 36 years I've been doing it for almost nine now so I'm getting better all the time that's the other thing about channeling is um it's like, it's like anything. You get better the more you do it. You get better at riding a bike. The more you, you get your balance, you get better at playing an instrument, you get better at playing a sport, the more you do it. And just like, you know, Michael Jordan considered the best basketball player of all time, he could have an off night. He could have a night where he, you know, shot the ball really poorly and who knows what, what was going on for him that day um, that he was on the court and what, what he was feeling and how that affected him. And the same is true for channels. I mean, I, I was thinking about it before I, uh, I was thinking about making this video and I was, I was thinking of analogies and, you know, it is it does take a tremendous amount of focus to channel. It is like being a brain surgeon. It, it really is like being a rocket scientist in, in some ways because you have got to be on your game to do it. And if you're not, the channeling will reflect that. So it's not... People want everything to be super black and white. So to the person who asks in the comments, how do you know you're channeling? I know I'm channeling it. I know I'm not perfect too. I know I don't always get everything right and everything perfect as it was meant to be. Um, because that's because there's a human element to channeling. When I used to go to those Abraham workshops, <clears throat> sometimes Abraham would say, 
You know, Esther used to ask us, how am I doing? How am I doing at, at translating you and speaking for you? And, and Abraham would always say to Esther, you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. It's awesome. But Abraham knew that she would get better, is what they say in these workshops, that it wasn't the best that she would ever be. And I'm not the best I'll ever be at this right now. I'll get better because I'll keep doing it because I didn't give up when I really wanted to give up on on this uh, as not even as a thing I was doing. Like I said, I wasn't doing it for a living then. And I still thought mm, I should just give up because I don't I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe in myself enough. And. You know, people who believe in themselves in other areas of their lives are probably better at believing themselves in when they go to channel as well. You, you carry all of that stuff into uh, this channeling world as it is. So um, all the other beings that have come since Ophelia... You know, Ophelia came because I was would be walking in the woods and I'd say, oh, I really feel the fairies around. I want to channel a fairy. And then, you know, the tones came and then Ophelia came and um, and I just liked it. I just liked the way it felt, like the way she felt. There's a story behind every being that, I, that I've ever... Ch I don't really remember a huge story behind the Arcturian Council other than I I had thought about channeling Arcturians for a long time and then they came through me and then I got together with my wife you know she and I've been together for over three years now and when she and I got together shortly thereafter they started coming through her too um, but there's um, there's always more. There's always more to become. There's always more to channel. And um, I'm happy that that I survived uh, this journey and all the the ups and downs of it. And I'm glad to be here now uh, doing what I do and that there are people out there that it resonates with. As the Arcturian said in the most recent transmission, you know, it either resonates or it doesn't. I raise my vibration to do this. Um, that's that's the best way to know that you're getting something that is high vibrational, that is of value to others, is by putting yourself in a higher vibrational state and then just seeing what it is that you connect with and what it is you bring through. And some sometimes... You will doubt it if you if you want to channel, you know, if this is something you want to do. Sometimes it will feel more real than others. Um, what can I say? That that's my that's my story. <laughs> and that's those are my feelings on channeling in general. Um, I also f have felt on this journey that the perfect person, the perfect teacher has always shown up for me. 
So when I needed Deepak to be the one to use that logic to convince me that there was something more going on here in the universe, that's who I had. And then I needed channeled material and I needed to go sit at those Abraham workshops and receive the transmissions that Esther would bring through. I needed Nora Harold and Wendy Kennedy to sort of take me under their wings and and let me know that what I was doing was real and um, after I had my ET experience I I needed Daryl and Bashar to help me understand what what all that was about what the whole relationship with ETs was and uh, I've been really blessed I have to say been really really blessed and I um I appreciate all the steps along the way and all the people that have been a part of my journey and I'm very happy to be where I am right now with my little cat sitting on the table next to me because she's just so awesome <laughs> and my wife sleeping in the next room you know it's it's a good life just keep living it <laughs> Keep living, keep loving, and uh, everything will work out in the long run. Even when you feel those moments of being suicidal and you don't see a, any possible way out of your situation. <laughs> it does happen. So thank you, everyone, for spending all this time listening to me and uh, my story. It's my origin story right there. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful to you in some way and helps you believe in yourself more. Uh, you know, I want everyone to live a beautiful life and to be empowered. So blessings. Sending lots of love here from Maui. Take care, everyone. I'll see you next time.
That's Angels from uh, Midori. There's so many stories like Daniel's. You know, I talked with Neil Donald Walsh. Um, and then, of course, locally here in Hamilton, Dawn Foster has been channeling Abraham for years and years and years. And, um, this, and we started way before Esther and Jerry Hicks, which is what Daniel was talking about. And then there was, of course, Susan Emmanuel, who started here in Infinity in Hamilton and started channeling. She had the same sort of problems, didn't know how to do it and how to start. But slowly, slowly, things evolved and everybody goes on their separate paths. Now, the other person that we've listened to recently is Pam Gregory. Now, Pam, the astrologer, is, uh, is going to be talking now about October, you know, what's happening in October. Hi everyone, <clears throat> Pam Gregory, astrologer. I'm going to be speaking to you today about the first half of October and the new moon that we have in Libra coming up on the 6th. Now, October is going to be an incredibly powerful month, particularly the, uh, towards the second half of the month. The energy builds, if that's possible. So, and uh, that will be, I think, very important for the US as well, but more of that in the next video. But I do see October as pivotal. It, and whatever develops in October will really set us up for 2022. So super important. The pace is picking up. Many of us can feel it. And it really um, surged, I think, at the Libra equinox. I'm filming this just before the Libra equinox. But already the energy is so strong. People are having difficulty sleeping, myself included. I'm kind of wired to the mains. People are talking about headaches, migraines, because the energy is coming in so powerfully and so fast because we're in this period of accelerated ascension. This is what we're moving into. The next six months, this is really the beginning of six months of crescendo of events, crescendo of energy and events. So it's going to be intense and it's going to be fast moving. And, and the fast moving has really started already, but particularly because we've got a change in direction of several important planets that I'm going to be talking about. So um, there is a huge fork in the road. I've been talking about this for, uh, for four years now, since 2017. And the divergence of those tracks is getting wider by the day. And so we've always been in our own individual reality, but our individual realities are now more different, more diverse than they have ever been. And they're two kind of broad trajectories of, of collective timeline that we're looking at here. So choose wisely and be very aware of your focus, where you're putting your attention. It's so easy to slip back to the, the drama and the 3D. And um, I've had particular personal circumstances in the last few months that have kind of tried to drive me back to the 3D. And it's so easy to get caught up in all those anxieties, whereas I've had to be really tough with myself in terms of walking my talk. I I generally always walk my talk, all the things I share with you, but boy, if I had to be straight with myself. So choose wisely and be very conscious of where you're putting your focus and attention. So the month starts strongly right from the kind of get-go from the 1st of October, because we have Mercury in an exact um, by degree T-square to Eris and Pluto. Mercury is at 24, 2431, in fact, of Libra, 
and it is um, opposing Eris in Aries, 24 of Aries, and squaring Pluto, 24 of Capricorn. So this is, again, highlighting this long, long-running Eris-Pluto square that we've had all through 2020, all through 2021. And with Mercury in Libra, this is potentially bringing up more angry words, but also issues around the law. We are in Libra season in October. And remember that the two signs that are linked to the law are Libra, the scales of justice, and also Sagittarius, the truth. And Venus moves into Sagittarius on the 7th of October. So I think this is a very big month for potential legalities. There are hundreds of cases going on all over the world, but they may come to the fore in a bigger way. Um, this month, I dare say they'd be on mainstream media, but um, they may become more prominent. So that T-square is very strong. However, it's also important to say, because this is about kind of angry words on the street for fairness and justice and equality. Um, and Eris is always the street fighter, as you, as you know, it's, she's very feisty. But remember, she's also the goddess of awakening, female awakening. And she's the patron saint of, of chaotic creation, I discovered I was so excited about. So there is purpose in this. It isn't just mayhem for the sake of mayhem. It is purposeful to get us to a higher place, but it is going to be, it is going to be gritty and it is going to be loud, I think. And I want to say through these next six months, the grittier is going to get, the gritty is going to get grittier, the tough is going to get tougher and the good is going to get way better, way better. And I'll talk a little more about that as we move through. So this square between Eris and Pluto. Um, just before I get there, actually, I want to come back to the first, the first of October. So I've talked about Mercury in that T-square. Very interestingly, with Mercury being at 2431 of Libra, she is exactly um, conjunct the fixed star Arcturus. And uh, Mercury was conjunct the fixed star Arcturus at the Libra equinox. And will also be on the 1st of November. So it's a kind of three-hit conjunction. And Arcturus, um, and thank you to Stephanie Austin, who reminded me of this, Edgar Cayce had talked about Arcturus as the highest civilization in the galaxy. And Nick Forenza, astrologer, talks about the um, symbolism of Arcturus being to help to guide souls to their evolutionary fulfillment. So this is beautiful. This is very high level. And whenever planets are exactly aligned to these points in the heavens, these fixed stars, we can, it's like a hotline to that particular symbolism. So here we can get downloads of higher galactic knowledge. It's that kind of a feeling where we're plugging back into the galaxy in a bigger way, because you probably know that the Earth has been offline for a long time. It's now stepping back into its role in the galaxy. We're all becoming galactic citizens in a bigger way. Now, the intensity, intensity is a word I'm going to be using an awful lot in the next six months, but the intensity of this Eris-Pluto square has been great, I think. Very easy to see. To remind you, Eris tends to be on the street demanding fairness, equality, everybody needing to be heard, nobody excluded in society, demanding that, but running up in the square against top-down government rules, regulations, authorities, etc., particularly top-down 
Capricorn, um, organizations, governments. It has recently been in its fourth exact square, and now they come to their fifth and final exact square, and that's going to be on the 9th of October. Now, we won't just feel it on the 9th, we're feeling it over this entire period because Eris and Pluto are barely moving, hovering around that 24 degree um, point. And by the way, if you have anything 24 to 26 degrees of the cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, are you going to be feeling intensity in your life in some area? You, you really are. So this is the fifth and last exact square. So it's a peak. It's a peak in this struggle. It's not necessarily the final peak because I'm looking down the road to the third and final square of Saturn and Uranus on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. That's going to be interesting. I think there'll be more attempted control coming in or just before Christmas around then. But these, both of these big dominant squares for this year are reaching their exactitude. Eris Pluto, 9th of October, Saturn Uranus, 24th of December. So it's kind of crunch time. It's like being squeezed. This is vice-like activity, but there's also awakening activity at the same time. So we're going to be squeezed under or we're going to be popped out to something entirely different. And um, these two big squares, as I've spoken in the past, have similar themes, really. It's, it's control versus freedom. It's new versus old. Those are the, and you can find in my previous videos when I've spoken in more detail about this. So this is big. Now, both of those squares continue through 2022, but they are no longer exact to the degree in minute. They're looser. Saturn Uranus square becomes exact to the degree in October 22, but they're not, again, exact to the degree and minute. And in astrology, it's when planetary aspects become exact that they are at their most potent and their most visible in the world. So it's a big time, very big time these next, next few months. So we have a series of planets also moving direct, changing direction, because for the last few months, we've had Jupiter, Saturn, um, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and more recently, Mercury, all moving retrograde. So there's been a kind of introspective or um, assimilating process, integrating process of what the previous few months in the year have really meant to us individually and collectively. But now there's a very significant shift of direction because within two weeks, four planets change direction and therefore that will create the pace change. Um, so on the 6th of October, and this is happening just three days before that exact Eris Pluto square, Pluto becomes stationary direct at 24 degrees of Libra. Now, when these big, slow-moving planets change direction, it's like a tanker almost, moving incredibly slowly, stopping, and then very gradually moving on, you know, like drilling down in a very concentrated way. So round about Sixth, but you know, equally, this will span a good week to either side. We'll be feeling this really. The, the first half of October will feel very strong in, the, in terms of this Pluto Pluto Eris energy. 
So we may be feeling bigger issues or seeing bigger issues in the world around power and control and intensity, but also transformation, remember. Pluto is the planet of spiritual transformation. Then on the 10th of the month, we have Saturn moving stationary direct. So Pluto's moved stationary direct on the 6th. Saturn moves stationary direct at 6 degrees 52 of Aquarius on the 10th. So this could be some kind of reality check. Um, Saturn represents very contracting energy. So there may be more about rules and regulations and for your own safety. And you've got to have social responsibility and that kind of thing. But just one week later, on the 17th of the month, Jupiter moves stationary direct at 22 degrees of Aquarius. And if Saturn is contraction, Jupiter is expansion. So just a week later, we have this very different energy that's, that's very much magnified, that's about that's about future visions. It's visionary. It's, it's bigger and better future horizons. It's, it's quite linked to the galactic because it's to do with long distance travel. It's about freedom. It's about human rights. So there will be quite a surge around the 17th on those issues. And by the way, that's the same day that the sun comes into a T-square with Eris and Pluto. So boy, is this, this is very strong astrology. And then the next day on the 18th, um, we have Mercury moving direct at um, 10 degrees of Libra. But these are four of those planets that are now moving direct. And I very much think over that two-week period, we're going to start to feel a change of pace, a change of momentum, and also clarity. I think we're going to have greater clarity as we have this sort of acceleration of planetary motion. So that's going to be very interesting to see too. And then on the 6th of October at 4.05 a.m. Pacific and 12.05 lunchtime, uh, 12.05 p.m. UK time, we have the new moon at 13 degrees, 24 minutes of Libra. So see where that falls in your chart and don't forget to set a new intention for uh, what you what new seed you want to plant in your life, what you want to manifest, very much determined by the, the house area where it's falling in your chart. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can download a free birth chart from my website. And if you go to this link below, you can buy a two-part video series from my store that you can watch forever with every update I ever do that will help you to understand the meaning for these of these updates in your life, your chart. And that will be the beginning of your astrological journey. So well worth doing. Every lunation so far this year has been powerful, and this is no exception because we have the sun and moon at 1324 of Libra conjunct Mars at um, 13, I think it's 58, yes, 1358 of Libra. So they're within really half a degree of exactitude. So sun, moon, Mars. Now, Mars, and I mentioned this in the last video, Mars has to act, Mars has to fight, Mars has to do. But in Libra, because it's opposite its normal sign of rulership, it needs to fight, it needs to act for others. It needs to act for truth, it needs to act for justice, to fight for justice. So that's very strong. Mercury, by the way, is also conjunct Mars. Um, here as well at 20 degrees of Libra. It's, it's wide, but it's operational. So again, four planets in Libra are about 
fighting for justice, in my view, and a new start of some kind, new moon around justice. Uh, by November, we'll have moved into uh, Scorpio energy. That will be different. So this, this is the big time around fairness, equality, etc. cetera. Um, what is also interesting here is that the Sun, Moon and Mars are exactly by degree quincunx Uranus at 13 degrees of Taurus. Now, yes, Taurus and Libra are both ruled by Venus, so you think they should be very peaceful signs. But remember, Libra is a cardinal sign, so it's action-oriented. And here, with Mars and um, Uranus so highlighted, these are speedy planets, um, urgent. And Uranus is, of course, to do with um, the unexpected, shocks, surprises, earthquakes of, of all kinds. So we should expect the unexpected here. We should expect some surprises, some things coming out of the blue. We should expect some truths, I think. Uranus is truth, higher truth as well, coming out of the blue to get us to a higher level of being. So that's a very strong aspect here. Mercury is very um, highlighted as well because it, is, it isn't just in that conjunction to Mars. It's also in a very tight quincunx to Neptune. So this Neptune can be linked to the media or disinformation. So this could be... Um, this could be more truths coming to the fore because the fog is now clearing, in my view, with the, these planets moving direct. So that's going to be quite interesting. And Mercury is also still in this T-square to Eris and Pluto. Now, another important aspect we have at this new moon is that the Sun, Moon and Mars are opposite or opposing Chiron at 10 degrees of Aries. So Chiron is about health and healing, all that kind of thing. And so, again, there's this sense of legalities or justice around issues of health and healing. That's very strong. What's also, I think, helpful to remember about Chiron moving through Aries, if we look back to when Chiron has about a 51, 52-year orbit, and if we look back to when it last entered Aries, that was in April 1968. And Aries as a sign is about I am, I am, I exist. And so there's a strong sense of needing to be heard here. Um, because if, if you live through 1968 and remember what's happening then, it was really a lot of um, protests peaking. I mean, 1968 is known as a kind of year of revolution, massive student sit-ins across the world. New York, London, Paris were particularly strong for that. A lot of strikes, a lot of striker sit-ins as well. The protests against the Vietnam War, war were peaking in 1968. All the civil rights movements were still going on very strongly. So it was a, I need to be heard. I matter, Aries. I count. I need to be heard. And I need any kind of woundedness or sickness or whatever, being attended to, being, being acknowledged and being dealt with. And Eris in Aries is so similar to this. You know, the goddess, the only goddess who wasn't invited to the wedding at Mount Olympus, she was excluded. So that's why she fights for anyone marginalized and on the periphery. So really complex energy and very interesting energy 
at this new moon. And I really want to say here that um, we're moving towards building new social structures. If you just look at the symbolism of Saturn in Aquarius alone, that is about building new social structures for the future. The square from Uranus to Saturn emphasizes that even more. So as the old is crumbling, I would really say don't extend the life support. Be super aware of where you're putting your focus for the future. Be super hyper conscious and aware because we have a very clear choice here. You know, Libra is about choice. It's about do I do this or do I do that? It's about the scales. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? And Libra is always trying to to balance those. You know, if that's okay with you, that's okay with me. If that makes you happy, that makes me happy. It's trying to balance. But this is a time of strong yang energy where we have to choose very consciously and definitively which way we're going to go. And as I say, the, the, you know, the, the energy coming in at these times is immense. I mean, it was immense. It's immense at the Libra equinox. I'm just, as I say, filming this just a couple of days before the equinox. The energy is huge. Um, people are having a lot of trouble sleeping, myself included. I'm just wired to the mains. Normally I sleep very well. People are having headaches, migraines. They can feel the energy, not only very strongly, but how fast it's coming in. Because we are being... Our ascension is being accelerated. We are being taught to become our light bodies. That's what this is about. We are becoming our light bodies. And it's all about how much light can we hold in our bodies. And that's down to our, our level of frequency. And I also want to say, because people sometimes say, well, you know, if you talk about high frequency, that sounds as if you've got to be excited all the time. Well, excitement is certainly an expression of high frequency. So is inspiration or anticipation of something wonderful. They're all expressions of high frequency, but, but so is peace. So is calm. And Libra is very much about peace. So in all of this cardinal, yang, strong aspect, squares, oppositions, energy, find your peace, find your bliss. And one way I do this pretty much every day, several times a day if I can, ideally sitting on the grass on the earth if you get a chance, but even wherever you are, close your eyes and drop into the belly breath, just like a baby breathes. So you're not pushing anything. You're not forcing anything. The breath is breathing you. The breath is breathing you because that's what's happening all the time, you know, our autonomic nervous system. So close your eyes, just, uh, just have no thoughts, just drop into I am the breath. Feel it, just feel the breath and gradually just feel it softening, the breath softening and perhaps deepening. And perhaps as you know, a minute or so goes by, you, you might slightly pause at the end of each inhale and exhale. And within a minute, no time at all, you are changing all the biomarkers in your blood, you are dropping into peace and bliss. And that equally is high frequency. And Libra is all about peace. So 
fabulous thing to do for free wherever you are. Really recommend that. And the more you do it, that becomes your kind of default frequency. Just like butter melting in the sun, I can go there in seconds. You know, it's just boom. Um, and that is a great um, skill to develop because it's just so easy to. Now, as we move forwards, helping humanity is going to be a very big Aquarian theme. How can we help humanity? And I've, I've mentioned several times in recent videos that I'm, I'm very aware of, of, of groups and people um, across the world. This is international who are getting into community. They're getting into collaboration because we might think in these extreme times, well, what can I do on my own? But if you get together in a group, you know, one person can do this and you can do that. And, well, we could get together and do something, you know, bigger and better to help other people. It is truly inspiring. And, and the wealth and richness of experience and knowledge and talent is, quite frankly, incredible. So this is happening. And, and this these communities, so this isn't pie in the sky. This isn't Walt Disney at some, you know, 2035 date. This is right now. It's happening right now. Um, and what's really exciting about it is these communities of, of, of like-minded people are forming these, these hubs of light that are forming a grid because they're all in communication or starting to come into communication with bigger networks of other people doing something similar so they can share ideas. So it's forming a kind of energetic architectural architectural structure for new earth we are in this right now we are building new earth today and if you haven't connected to any like-minded um, group as yet set that as an intention i am already easily finding my family of frequency i'm already easily finding my family of frequency so present tense and then step into that energies if it's already happened so very important in these times to stay very positive. Um, I've often said recently, and I, I must try and do a video on it, but somebody will have to film it for me because everything becomes kind of horizontal, not vertical. But um, I've been mentioning that when I douse my um, and measuring other people's frequency who give me permission for that, you always have to have permission to enter someone else's energy field. They, some of them are jumping hundreds of hertz in a week hundreds of hertz in a week. It's just extraordinary. And when I kind of check on the frequency for humanity, that's that's kind of off the chart. And what was so funny in the last week when I'm, I did a short Q&A with Bracca Goldsmith, I was interviewing the, asking the Palladians some questions. And you can see that on Bracca Goldsmith's channel. I'll try and remember, put the link below. But one of the questions I asked the Palladians was about this, you know, is the frequency of humanity um, expanding? And the answer was kind of, yes, sort of exponential. You know, it's accelerating so fast. And then I was listening to Zach, Zachariah, who I've listened to for many years. He's an aspect of an ascended master called Dwal Kool. I'll put the Patreon link below because once a month he, um, he, he has several offerings in a month, but um, he's, he's channeled through the very gifted Janet Treloa. And there's several offerings. This was a, an hour-long deep dive. And he happened to, Zach happened to say via Janet that the um, 
frequency for humanity, the acceleration of the frequency is off the chart, <laughs> literally off the chart is what I'm seeing. I can't get a calibration. I have to recalibrate all my measurements to kind of start from a higher level. So, you know, this is very exciting, but you've got to be, you've got to have that as your focus. You've got to have that as a focus because if you've got that as your focus, then magic really does start to happen. And again, this isn't pie in the sky. I, I literally know people who are creating the impossible in life, the miraculous in life, simply through working with their energy and their intention. So it is a potentially, it's a very tough period. It's probably at the 3D level, the toughest period we have ever lived through in our lives collectively. But it is also the most exciting period in terms of our evolutionary development, our jumps into the light body, let's call it. And um, there's a particular phrase that that Zach encouraged us to say, to stay, is to say rather, to stay in this magic zone. And I'm going to put my glasses on to make sure I, I get this right. But he encouraged us to say, creation is fueled by magic, and I am a magical being of creation. And if you say that through your day, if you say that several times a day, you really will start to notice the little, little kind of pops, little bubbles of magic that are happening through your day, and increasingly they become your reality. I hope that's helped you. Um, God bless, and bye for now. So many stories of people who start to channel and receive these messages and go into all sorts of things. Even last week we had a guy just randomly came in the shop with some books which he channeled. He just started channeling. So that's another story I'll, I'll, I'll probably interview him. But it's, it's, it's amazing to see how people suddenly become aware and start to blossom. So I thought we'd finish off with this track from Bornmeyer, which is called The Flower Awakens. I am Barry. It's been The Voice Within. Kakite. Shalom. Namaste, Masalam. May your God go with you.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.